Well, happy July 5th. Doesn't have the same ring as happy July 4th, but whatever, we're here. We just celebrated, though, July 5th, our wonderful independence from the tyrannical rule and oppression of Britain. Yeah! We won! Recently, though, I have noticed myself making uh, the same joke quite often. Um, and every joke we know contains a little bit of truth in it, so it, it got me reflecting on it. Because whenever recently someone asks me, oh, you know, Father Dan, can you do this, or, or can you do this, blah, 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 I, I find myself retorting to them, I am an adult and an American. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> I mean, which to an extent, that's true, right? As an American, we possess an extraordinary amount of autonomy and freedoms. So that has got me really reflecting on what it means to be free. I remember hearing a homily a few years ago wherein the priest said, freedom, true freedom, isn't the ability to do anything we want, but it's the ability to do what we ought. Now I found out later that he was just quoting Pope St. John Paul II. But think about that. It's profoundly deep. If you do what you want all the time, that doesn't actually mean you're free. Because the choices we can make sometimes become choices that enslave. If I choose behavior or actions that feel good but are ultimately destructive, I may think I am free in choosing them, but in reality, I have given over my physical, psychological, or chemical control to a substance or repetitive action or habit. The first reading from the prophet Zechariah is us hearing him prophesy about the triumphant return of the people of Israel from exile. To put it into context, for the height of the ancient Jewish people, their heyday, their day in the sun, was around 722 B.C., when King David unified all the tribes and the peoples of Israel and had a unified Jerusalem. They were in right relationship with God and with each other, and the Lord blessed them because of it. And then eventually, things were too good, and they started to disobey the Lord. They gave in to worshiping false gods and giving in to human sacrifice, etc., and they fell out of right relationship with God. So, as a punishment, they were exiled. They were allowed to be taken over by a foreign government. They were dispersed from their promised land. So now, the reading that we hear from the prophet Zechariah is around the year 587 BC, quite a bit of time after 722. But he is telling them that they must live in hope. He is telling them to rejoice, for the Lord is going to deliver them. They have been living in oppression to something external. They feel hopeless. They feel like they may never be able to reclaim what they once had. And Zechariah is bringing them strength and hope while he talks of freedom. He tells them that they can be freed from their current situation, but that they must live in hope. St. Paul tells us in the second reading, at the very end of it, that if we live in the flesh, we will die. But if we live in the Holy Spirit, then we will put to death the deeds of the body and we will live. So why does he say that? Is he somehow trying to tell us that our bodies are bad? No, because St. Paul is not a heretic. The heresy of Manichaeanism 
which says that material things, including the body, are all created and comprised of evil, is not what he is saying. After all, he's St. Paul, as I said, not a heretic. So, what he is saying is that if we live with only the flesh in mind, though, we don't keep the things that are eternal in our hearts, and we keep our minds set on our pleasure being the ultimate goal. If we let our personal pleasure and the avoidance of pain be our guiding principle, then it will destroy us. There is a famous line from a poem that I like that says, Find what you love and let it destroy you. Well, actually, the entire poem is quite small, so I'm going to read it to you now. And it says, My dear, find what you love and let it kill you. Let it drain from you your all. Let it cling on to your back and weigh you down into eventual nothingness. Let it kill you, and let it devour your remains. For all things will kill you, both slowly and fastly, but it is much better to be killed by a lover. Now, we can listen to this advice and we can see it through the lens of the flesh and find in it our destruction. Or, we can apply to it the lens of faith and let it bring us life. Find what you love, and let it kill you. Let that cocaine, let that heroin, let that pornography or sex addiction, let it kill you. Let it blow up your life and only leave you in shambles. You'll enjoy it the entire time it's annihilating your life, until you don't anymore. Now I know of a young man who has given me permission to tell his story, but when he was growing up, he never really drank. Because, to be honest, he said he was too afraid of getting into trouble. When he turned 21, he started to drink socially and would occasionally drink too much, but only with his friends, and after all, he was in college. It happens sometimes. This continued, uh, this continued on, but eventually life became more difficult, and the trials of life that he was encountering caused him some deep emotional pains. Living in the flesh, though, he only sought to alleviate that pain and so he started to self-medicate with alcohol, because honestly, it was just easier than dealing with those uncomfortable emotions. It wasn't really a problem for him, but the problem was that he was learning to deal with emotional stress by drinking himself into oblivion. This continued for a few years, but he would always explain it away when anyone would bring it up, saying, I'm young, this is just what we do to blow off steam, or I've had a really hard week. I deserve to get drunk this weekend. Now eventually, only thinking of things of the flesh, he got involved with a young woman who was completely wrong for him, but he decided for a plethora of reasons that he had found the one he wanted to spend the rest of his life with. And after all, she was one of his best drinking buddies, so he just thought they could continue drinking together for the rest of their lives. They loved each other, but eventually the fairy tale started to break apart. At one point, she was diagnosed with cancer and only given about six months to live. About that time, they decided to get married on a whim over a weekend. Shortly after that, they found out she was pregnant. Shortly after that, they found out that she wanted to have an abortion because the doctors told her that to be pregnant would decrease the rate of her survival. Shortly after that, she left him because his drinking had become an everyday occurrence, because he didn't have the emotional tools to deal with this monumental stress level that he was feeling. 
and he did not know what to do in this terrible situation. When his wife left him after being married for only a short time, something internally broke. There was only one friend that stood by him through all of this, his friend Jack Daniels. He loved that Kentucky bourbon. He loved it so much that he let it destroy him. He lost his wife, he lost his friends, he lost his job, and he lost just about everything. But he didn't lose Jack Daniels. Now you might think after all of this he would fix his life, and well, to an extent he did, but he certainly didn't stop drinking. He got a new job, a better job actually, and from there he held it together long enough to not be a complete train wreck, but he was getting drunk as often as he could, timing it somewhat perfectly so that his last drink would allow him to sober up in time so that he could stumble into work and barely pass his sober. But he didn't want to lose another job. By this time, the years of self-medicating and emotional trauma had rendered him empty inside. He didn't feel bad because, honestly, he just didn't feel. A morose numbness pervaded his entire being, and he really didn't care if he lived or if he died. The alcohol and his way of life, even though he loved it, was killing him. He was living his freedom, though, doing what he wanted to do and what was legal by law. But with it, he was only finding pain and death. This led him to take a job in a foreign country, believing that what he lacked on the inside was an experience of the world. That would change it. But after living in a foreign country for a year where alcohol was illegal, he came back to America and decided that the next best step would to be to become a priest. But he still had not decided to stop his destructive way of life. He had not stopped drinking yet. He got to seminary and in his first semester almost got kicked out for drinking. Being a smart man, though, he decided to play the game and told everyone that he would stop. He even started going to AA meetings. But in his seminary closet, he had several bottles of liquor and would hide his drinking and drink whenever he could. This continued for another year and a half until one summer, as he was working in a parish, he had a life-altering encounter with the Lord. In a moment of clarity over a glass of bourbon, it became very clear to him that he could continue doing what, what he was doing, possibly make it through seminary, and if he was ordained, become a terrible priest. Moody and drunk, unreliable and irritable, someone whose interactions with people would probably not bring anyone to know the Lord. Or he could stop drinking. And he heard the Lord tell him very distinctly that if he sobered up, he could be a phenomenal priest. That moment of clarity was enough for him. He got very drunk the next day since it was July 4th, but on July 5th, he walked into his first real AA meeting with the intention of not drinking anymore. And so today, July 5th, 2020, is my fifth sobriety birthday. Since I have stopped drinking, I have known peace and clarity, tranquility and beauty in life that I have never known before. I honestly never thought I could stop drinking. And on my own, without AA and without a good support system, it probably never would have happened. If I had been still living in the flesh, I would have been destroyed. I found what I loved, and I loved drinking. 
but it was killing me. Now, I said before that entire story that we can use the quote, find what you love and let it destroy you. Through a Christian lens, it can bring us life. So let's look at that now, shall we? If we love the Lord, if we let the Holy Spirit annihilate that which is in us, which is not of God, then we still die. But we die to ourselves. We die to the flesh. And we die to sin. We are able to live not in the flesh, but in the spirit, as St. Paul tells us. And the only way that we hear the words, Well done, my good and faithful servant at the end of life, is if we love the Lord above all things, people, and circumstances. We have to be willing to let the Lord destroy us with his love, which sounds scary. But it's really just a letting go of those things which we have amassed in our lives that are not from him. Past traumas and hurts, unhealthy coping mechanisms and addictions, disordered affections and destructive behaviors. We need to be willing to let go of all of those things so that we can let the Lord fill us with his love and make us happier than we could ever imagine. So my friends, find what you love and let it kill you. My hope is that what you find is that you love the Lord. You love God above all else, and you let him destroy that which is not of him, and fill you with his grace and the Holy Spirit. I also hope that if you or anyone you know has a drinking problem or any addiction, or even suspects that you might or that they might, that you seek help. Because addiction is a vile, vile thing. But I promise, and I know from personal experience, and many hundreds of thousands of other people can testify to the same thing, that there can be a better way. A way that does not involve hurting those that you love, that does not involve being a slave to a substance or destructive behavior. So on this July 4th weekend, I pray that we all might experience the truest freedom we can, living in God's love, knowing that we should be free, not to do whatever we want, but in freedom and in charity to do what we ought.